Okay, take five. I know, guys, I said I was gonna freaking get on it. I was gonna be like the quarantine queen of productivity when it came to my creative projects. I was gonna like read and write a book and post like a couple more episodes of Solidarity. And I didn't. So, I guess I'm sorry. (laughs) I will say a lot of really interesting things have happened. I have had three virtual dates. And they were fine. Virtual dating is interesting. Because we have this shared experience of like, we can't meet each other in person. But here we are. But you know what? I learn. I learn. I really do. And I meet really interesting guys, really nice guys. Made a friend, so that's fun. Um, maybe in the fall I'll tell you about something else really cool that happened. <laughs> Pending. Um, but I was just thinking about this right now. What if, like... You know, I've been able to blame my whole life, like, of being single on, on, like, external factors that felt really less than real as excuses. But I can, like, now say, oh, I'm single because of coronavirus. Like, right? Like, who dates during coronavirus? Who finds love during coronavirus? You can't even touch each other. (laughs) But even at the very beginning of this, I was like, no, when it comes to love and humans, we probably wouldn't even let coronavirus get in the way. We just go for it. And I say we because I'm a part of this collective. And how else am I supposed to feel romantic energy unless I count myself as part of the collective, guys? Come on. Who am I arguing with? Who of you out there is trying to, like, tease me? and make fun of me how dare you (laughs) you realize I'm just making fun of myself well I wanted to pop in and kind of talk about quarantine Bridget and singleness and kind of how all these things wrap up together for me and I'm gonna try not to do it very long because like I said this is like take five and I think that's like a right on the nose guess to be honest so it's past midnight and I'm sitting in my room and I've begun to pack up my stuff to head to Denver for round two. And hopefully this one will last longer than the last one. I'm still on sabbatical for about like seven more weeks ish. And hopefully I'll get to be in Denver for like three more months and, um, kind of transition into my new role while I'm just still there and then I'll come back to my beloved Arizona the thing is I love Arizona I love Tucson it's my favorite place all of Arizona is my favorite place it's got my favorite people but I would say Colorado is a close second just because lots of my other favorite people maybe everyone's my favorite people I don't know point is if 
the weather weren't so disgusting in the summer, in the desert, I would stay because I have a bed here and I don't have to pay rent here. And I own this house, this house that has given me hell as I've been home. I think my house got coronavirus, guys. That feels insensitive to make a joke about. But there was legitimately like this day where I was like, I'm not so sure that next week I won't be standing outside the remnant of like my burnt down house because there was just this domino effect of one thing after the other going wrong when I was just trying to fix things like be a good landlord, be a good homeowner, be a good roommate. (laughs) That's what I'm always trying to be, be a good this, that, or the other play my roles, be responsible, be a grown up. So the last month has been crazy. I have a lot of, I've had a lot of plumbing issues in my home. I've had to replace the flooring And when I say I had to, I mean, I did it with my roommate's help and help of a friend, not without blood, sweat and tears. And I mean that Uh, my friend who helped me, who is actually a 61 year old single man who's been a missionary his whole life. And he serves our city like like a sweet and kind father, like he's just an angel among men. And. Anyway, he cut his thumb open on his table saw. So I had maybe my most nightmarish experience of my life during quarantine. Um, When you hear a blade running, a saw running, and someone scream outside, your heart just stops like nothing else. So that was quite an adventure. Adrenaline and, and just right into fight mode. Um, but he's okay. I'm happy to report. I'm also happy to report. I know how to use a miter saw now and I can do laminate flooring and I tiled my pantry because my contractor was very unprofessional, but I'm learning that that might be a trend. Let me know if you've also had contractor problems. (laughs) But for now, no more plumbing issues. Um, Got another pipe fixed, got my toilet fixed, got the AC, uh, the circuit board blue, got that fixed. (laughs) It was a lot. Um, There was a couple nights where I was getting up every couple hours to change out these five-gallon buckets that were collecting the dripping water from the leaking pipe that we didn't know was leaking in the wall. We just knew there was something happening. And I felt like I'm single. I shouldn't be getting up for anything in the middle of the night every few hours. And this leads me into one of my first things that I want to tell you I've learned in quarantine. One of the first things is that I really suppress my emotions. And I think that as a really emotional person, it's hard for me to admit that to myself. I'm like, no, you don't. But it was only like three years ago that I was willing to admit to myself that I'm such an angry person. Um, I've been really angry about how I've been treated by people and how I've been taken advantage of. I've been angry about how I've been neglected or let down or disappointed. Um, 
just because of how much I've given or how much thought and intentionality I've put into my relationships with people. And, and I mean, like for me, I take my role in, in life and even as a single person very seriously, like, like this question is coming up of like, who do I belong to? And I think that my whole life I've, I felt like I've just belonged to everybody and everyone could have of me, um, have all of me. And, and I just have always had this deeper sense of responsibility than I think I need to. I think, um, to some extent it's really beautiful and good that I am this oriented towards others, but there's, we have limits, you know, and that's, that's kind of point two. There's always a limit. There's a limit to what I can give. There's a limit to how long I can even suppress my feelings. You know, there's a limit of what I'm able to do. We have capacity. And in our go, go, go world, our full restauranted world, our crazy social media, me, me, me world, um, we don't take time to rest. We, we want to live beyond our capacity all the time. This is sort of an aside, but one of the most unattractive things to me in a man is a workaholic. Don't get me wrong. Ambition is sexy and goals are sexy, but a workaholic doesn't have his priority straight. I really believe life is about all of our relationships we have with one another. So, but in the, in this, you can like argue in the same vein. I've been a workaholic in the sense that like I've given all of myself to my students and my people and my job and haven't left any margin for myself in the rest of my life. And so I'm starting to figure that out. Like sabbatical is really helpful for that, you know? Um, but I never planned to come home from Denver. You know, I never planned to come and do this huge DIY home project. And it's a really like a two-sided coin because on on one side I'm like so glad like the home insurance money and some gifts from people really covered a lot of a lot of my need and handsome like God has been generous with me it has just cost me exhaustion <laughs> that's all you know and and so in some ways it's like so worth it and the other side of it is that I've just been in this like really rough spot for the past month um just being pressed and stretched beyond my capacity and even today I like finally let myself take a nap because I haven't really been sleeping well um there's like things wrong with my body that I'm like what is going on I don't have time to worry about it (laughs) so there's this dance I'm doing of like admitting my capacity to myself and then giving myself grace. And a part of that is asking for help. And I'm really bad at asking for help. I think it's really easy when you are independent and capable and have a lot of things to be able to do so much by yourself and for yourself. And I have this like really awful, ugly attitude of like, well, you know, if I ask, they're not going to say yes. So I just need to do it myself. If I want myself to be taken care of, I'm going to have to do it myself. And this is like a negative feedback loop that I've been in for a long time. And I think that because I'm so good at suppressing my emotions and feelings, 
I don't even think I'm thinking those things. I'm just like living my life. And then when hard stuff happens, that's when you find out like, Ooh, I'm, I'm bitter. I'm angry. And it's not really at specific people. It's at this whole thing, this whole life. It's at everybody. It's at people from my past, you know, like it's just crazy. So I feel really lucky that I've gotten to do this big project. Um, I'm tired, but I'm happy that my roommates are happy, that the house is looking better than it's ever looked. It'll be way more um, marketable in the future (laughs) if I want to sell it in a few years, which I, I think I do. And when I come back, I can enjoy this flooring even more. It'll be really great. So I think I've really built something that I'm looking forward to coming back to in the fall. But I've just started to let myself think about how in a few days I'll be back in my like sabbatical land, kind of. People were really sorry for me when I had to leave Denver, you know, from all over my life. You know, because they, they almost felt like I was um, leaving sabbatical. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm still on sabbatical, you know. But I think in some ways they, they felt like, are you though? And I think what, what that sentiment gets at is like, I came back here full force and resumed my roles and responsibilities, which is what I needed a break from. And, and why I would even, like, dare to go back, you know. I needed a break from who I am here, which she's someone who works her butt off um, for the sake of, of the life that I've chosen, which is in service to others. It is in hope that there would be safe space created for college students to explore faith and grow and have community and be loved to me, that's worth it. Even if I have to work every part-time job and figure out my budget constantly and, you know, <laughs> be stretched thin, like I, you know, for me, it has been worth it, but I want to carve a new way forward and figure kind of a new lifestyle out. And so I'm, I'm excited to just go and be, and, um, let Denver inspire me and let a time in a place that's not as hot (laughs) and it's much greener and more beautiful and a little bit magical in the summer. I'm going to let it speak to me and let God use Denver to inspire the next season of life, which of course is totally shaped by this like pandemic, you know? So It's funny how something like this that's so random, something that we like couldn't, you can't plan for it really. Not us normal folk, but I think scientists could have planned for it probably. They kind of knew. Anyway, point I'm trying to make is it really just zooms in on like the things that are important and unimportant to us. Um, where our values lie. Yeah. 
And I think that's really good because honestly, if certain things didn't change, even though the circumstances did, then now, you know, now, you know, okay, that's not going to change about me or wow, this is going to be a problem no matter what kind of scenario I'm in, no matter when things are really good or if they're really hard, this thing doesn't change. You know, I think in a way, like a time like this really calls us out. So that's how I've been feeling about me. (laughs) I do love how we're all connecting more. I feel like that that's a truth that we're all uniting a lot more in, in a lot of ways that we weren't. I think we're using social media and virtual tools um, in ways that maybe we should have already been using them to our advantage and to connect with people. I think families are connecting more and things like that, which is great. But yeah, it's kind of, it's just an interesting time. And like I said, like I've gone on virtual dates. I think people have like, you know, embraced that to some extent and tried to go for it, you know? So I think that's been really beautiful. Um, something else I've also seen more people unite over that, and I, and to me, there's some connection. There feels like there's a connection with us being in this season, but I've seen more people post about these, um, killings of black men and women that we've been seeing happen this winter and spring all over our nation here in America. And there's just people who are posting about it who never posted about it before now. And I'm really glad for that. Maybe it's my news feed, you know? Do you ever think about that? Like, my news feed is made up of a very specific set of people. Like, it's not like necessary. Like, I'm an audience to my news feed that, like, kind of caters to me, you know? But in the same way, I have watched people in my community grow and change in their willingness to speak out. And what's really good for me is like, you know, I can write every Black Lives Matter post I want and I and I want to because I'm a writer and it's a great way for me to like process and express. But also like the stakes don't feel high for me. Um I've been doing this for a while, but I'm also Bridget G. I get away with just saying things. Um I'm the annoying one about racial stuff in people's lives, like and by stuff I mean justice. Um I think that there's no, there's no gospel without, you know, justice and equality. Um, I think that also those things can't exist without the gospel. Yeah. Reconciliation needs to be happening. And I, I only think that Jesus is like truly the answer. And so for a long time in my heart, I've longed to see my fellow Christians and my fellow white Christians rise up and, and stand against the evils of this world. Um, even the ones that took seed in their own hearts at a young age, like we are all about getting rid of sin, you know, like eradicating sin from our hearts. But people are really prideful. They don't want to admit that they're racist. But I just think like Americans 
need to be educated more on what being racist means about how white supremacy has infiltrated our like DNA, you know, and we to dismantle such a huge and long-standing system that really benefits a very specific group of people in power um it's going to take some some time. And so I'm just sitting here and Target in Minneapolis is being looted and multiple state houses are being breached in different or in different states Colorado also in Denver people did stuff and you know they're smashing windows and stealing things and I don't know I just I really wanted to address it because I think that it's important for you guys to hear from me what I believe about this as even just this single white lady who could have very easily turned into a Karen, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, sorry to all you Karens out there who are actually named Karen, um, but your name is now a trope and a meme and a stereotype and... You know, it's very real. Anyway, I could have become that. But I think I feel really lucky how God has protected me from that. And really given me love and experience with people of color all around in my life. So, anyway. I need you to hear this. Because I don't know who you are out there. I don't know if... I actually know people from Minneapolis have listened to this podcast. And I want you to hear this as I'm saying saying it. If you are tempted to say to me, Bridget, don't make this podcast political. I want you to hear me right now. These things are not political. They are kingdom of God business. It is of God's kingdom that we would fight for the marginalized, the oppressed, to set the captives free, to make a way for people who, are, who have no other way. And if you have the power to do that and you say that you follow Jesus, like, be like him and do that. Jesus was in the business of touching the marginalized, loving them and healing them and, and being with them. My, my very brown Jesus, <laughs> um, the love of my life is a brown man, you know, and oh gosh, it freaks me out to think how many white Christians would reject Jesus's body. It's crazy, but hey, so did the people in his day and they were all not white as well, but this idea of like supremacy, it still existed and Jesus was such a threat to the authorities of this world and the systems of this world. He was causing a revolution and a rebellion against the kingdoms of this world because he introduced a whole new kingdom, you know. So when you're saying don't get political, I'm going to say this isn't your podcast. It's mine. But you have your own choices and your own fingers and your own ears. So you can stick your fingers in your ears. <laughs> Just don't press the button. Don't press play. Um, back to the gospel. 
I just think that 2020 is, is the year um, racism has expired. <laughs> it, it's expired. I mean, it's, it's long, long, long expired, but come on, 2020, that sounds like a crazy futuristic year. And yet we're all stuck inside because of a virus. But people are willing to risk it, run out in the streets and, and wreak havoc. They're willing to, um, you know, go crazy a little bit because how else are they going to be hurt? And I do think that, like, there's something to it to say, like, there's strength in numbers, you know, like, they can't arrest all of us. They can tear gas everyone, but they probably couldn't arrest all of them. And they're willing to take that pain of that, you know, and they're willing to take TVs from Target or willing to break a window at the state house. But I just see both things like, you know, people are crying out because they've lived with this trauma their whole lives as soon as they understood racism that their own skin was looked upon with disgust that they've had to sit with that and live like that I can only imagine what it's like to be hated for something you have no control over um, and something that's actually so valuable and beautiful that's crazy. You know, it's, it's really crazy. And it's just very important that white people who can will have some of the arguments and fight some of the fights that need to be fought. And we need to be standing up more for our brothers and sisters in and out of Christ. It does not matter if they're citizens of, of our kingdom but I long for everyone to have the chance. And if, if my black brothers and sisters are getting shot and killed before they have the chance to say yes to Jesus, that's not right. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people know Jesus, you know, and a lot of people have grown up in church and things like that. But God just really wants us he does not want us to be murdered by each other because he wants to give us every chance every day to just like be with him and discover him you know so for me it's really important right now to say that I don't stand for police brutality I don't have a deep trust in cops um, I think that they are well, I am suspicious of them always, but you need to hear, I am very aware of the world I live in. I can, I can talk back to a police officer and there won't be any repercussions. This one police officer in Denver recently, he thought that I thought he was pulling me over, but I was just parking to go to a friend's house. And so he, he pulls up beside me in his big old cop car and he's like, I'm not pulling you over. And I was like, I know. <laughs> I'm here to have breakfast with my friend. And basically able to just laugh at him, roll my eyes at him and be like, leave me alone. And he will leave. I mean, he'll laugh about it because I am me. But I didn't choose to be a little white lady. Did I? No. 
And it's beautiful and good that I'm a little white lady. Do you see this? Even if I was a terrible, awful, bad person. A terrible, awful, bad white lady. Still doesn't mean that someone else is someone else should murder me so if someone was terrible awful and they're being arrested they still don't deserve to be killed by police but a lot of the times the black men and black women who are killed by police are being pulled over for very non-violent things or maybe misunderstandings um when we see how often black bodies are that dispensable to our police force, it shows what a deep, terrible, terrible, terrible problem is, is happening, you know? So I could go on and on about this. I just really want, I just really want to tell you guys, if you're out there listening and you're a person of color, or, you know, identify as a minority, if you're an immigrant, if you're just not in your majority um, context, or if you're not in the majority culture in your context, um, I just want you to know, like, I understand that your experience is different than mine, even as a single person. I understand that. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it feels like. But I have my mind wrapped around that um, even as a white woman being single, even if I was for the rest of my life, I'd be okay. And that speaks a lot to my privilege. I can survive this life and thrive and live well because of who I was born to be, you know, because my parents made me and they're both white people. (laughs) But I want you to hear that you matter. I want you to hear that the dreams you have matter, the longings you have matter, who you are has the potential to offer so much to this world, and it matters. You uniquely say something about the character of God, what he looks like, what he sounds like, more than I do and more than others do. So you're very important, okay? And I would be so interested to talk to any of you about your singleness in the context of your ethnic and cultural background. What do you think the hurdles have been? Um, Because you're just hearing again and again from this little white lady over here. And and there's going to be a limit. We're back to this idea of capacity. We all have a limit. And I know mine. Well, I don't even know if I know all of them, but I'm starting to learn a lot of them. (laughs) So hit me up. Feel free to email me. You can email me at solidaritypodcast at gmail.com and just let me know if you'd want to be a um, guest. We can do a Zoom interview, which could be, I don't know, it just could be neat. So that's a thought, okay? For those of you who are white all across the world, And definitely in America, this is what I want you to hear. Your ethnic background is important for you to identify 
and own with loving, graceful care, but a ton of information, a ton of intentional responsibility and understanding that you live in a very different world than all of our other friends who are not white. And if you don't believe that you have white privilege and that it affords you to continue to let these bad and broken systems thrive, I want to challenge you and implore you, please, please believe the stories of our friends and our people upend the reasons why you're uncomfortable with those things as truth okay figure out why the heck it bothers you to think that you had privilege humble yourself be willing to set yourself aside this world is about so much more than you and your hurt and your upbringing and what you've been told And if you love Jesus, there's a lot of lies that you've been taught that he wants to upend as well. So let him. The thing I said yesterday on my Instagram story that I have just loved this idea is that the greatest rebellion of your life can be to truly and fully join the kingdom of God, to rage against the kingdoms of this world, to come against in full force the lies and brokenness that we live in. So let's be rebels and revolutionaries with Jesus. And if you sit idly by and you're not willing to go to those deep and hard places, then you are no rebel and you are no revolutionary. You're just calling yourself a Christian. Okay? Again, it is okay if that hurts you. It is okay if it offends. You need to be offended. Jesus said, oh, you whitewashed tombs, you brood of vipers to the Pharisees who would not listen to him, who would not agree with him. They thought things were a certain way and he called them white. (laughs) But what he said is, oh, you so pretty on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. He said, you snakes. Don't be like that, guys. Let us not be like that, but let us be like little children who come to Jesus and say, teach me. Rabbi, teach me. Right? Okay. Take five was the best yet. So I'm going to post it. And I really want to know what you guys think. And if you're willing to have a discussion, even if you disagree with me on some things, just know it. I want it to be civil and loving and, and caring. I'm not trying to like, Uh, win some arguments or convince you of something you won't believe because you're hard-hearted um i i think i think what i believe is true about jesus about race and ethnicity i think it's so true i think that the brokenness and hatred in the world i think those things are true i think my friends stories are true i think these people i don't know their names or I, i didn't know their names i've never met them until they became a hashtag right Um, I believe their stories. I think it's true. So it wouldn't really be an argument about like opinion. I think, I think that I found the truth and I know what it is, but 
I want to know why, if, you, if you're one of my listeners and these things tick you off, tell me, why do they tick you off? <laughs> let's, let's turn your uh, anger into something more productive for the kingdom of God, for, for your people, for your community, um, instead of just letting it stew inside of you. You know, let's set you free from it. I'm here for you. We got that solidarity, but you know, more importantly, I have solidarity with black lives and brown lives. They matter all day, every day. They matter when they're boring. They matter when they're amazing. They matter when they're good. They matter when they're bad, just like me and you. So love you guys as much as I can love people. I don't really know. And then, you know, my listeners who I know, Hey, what's up? (laughs) Hope this was a good update for you. 100% I planned to talk about this stuff. So there we go. We have crossed that line now and I'm happy about it. See y'all soon, I guess. On the internet, in the DMs. Peace out.